Let's pray. Our Father and our God, do please help us as we reflect on your word uh, to be encouraged uh, that we might sing your praises this morning. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to our carols service. And can I say a particular welcome to you uh, if you are visiting with us. If someone invited you along today, we're encouraging people to invite their friends and family to come along to church today for, the, uh, for this carol service. If someone invited you, can I say a special welcome to you this morning? But I wonder, was it a little bit weird to get invited to come and sing along at a carol service? I suppose carol services still have a place in our culture. Lots of people watched one on TV last night or watched the kind of Wiggles sing songs last night. But how often do you get invited to a sing-along? Do you even feel comfortable singing out loud in front of other people? It's not really an ordinary thing in Australian culture, is it? The other day I was invited to a friend's 40th birthday... Uh, and for the party, we, the invitation was for a Chinese banquet and then karaoke. Everyone came to the banquet, no problems there. But you should have heard the excuses people were coming up with to get out of karaoke. I mean, suddenly everyone needed to wash their hair or whatever it was. Um, a lot of people aren't all that comfortable singing. Now, I personally love to sing. It's just that no one else likes it when I sing. Um, in Australia, singing is a reasonably unique feature of the Christian faith. Uh, we Christians, we sing, even those of, even those of us who can't sing. Uh, as I say, it's quite unusual. And so uh, nowadays, for example, the, uh, the vast majority of live music in Australia, did you realise this, the vast majority of live music in Australia today is played in churches. Um, that's why you'll find so many people, so many church people doing well in things like the X Factor or The Voice. In fact, there were complaints about it at one stage. Um, it's why so many popular music artists came from Christian homes, because Christians sing. And of course, at Christmas, we sing Christmas carols, happy songs about the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. It is a bit of a strange thing to do. And yet here we are again, singing, and we invited you to join us. Maybe you do feel it's a bit of a weird invitation. So, so what do you think is going on? What do you think is behind it? Why do Christians sing? Why would we invite you to come and sing with us? I, I should say, not all Christian singing is happy singing. It's not carols all year round here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Uh, in fact, just recently in our church, we looked at a book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's a series of songs or poems, but they're not happy songs at all. Now, the songs in Lamentations, they were, they were Israel's response to some terrible stuff that had happened to them, some terrible stuff that had happened to the Jewish people. It all happened more than 2,500 years ago, around about 600 years before Christ. The army of Babylon had conquered nation after nation after nation. Babylon became the greatest empire the world had ever seen. And one of the peoples they conquered was the Jews. The Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he invaded Judah and basically he committed genocide on the Jews. He slaughtered nearly all of them. Most of the few survivors he took into exile as slaves. Only a few people were left alive and they had nothing. Not even, not even food to eat. 
No surprise then, the songs of lamentations that we've been looking at, they're not happy songs at all. They certainly weren't singing joy to the world or anything like that. Lamentations was, was full of desperate, painful, mourning, questioning songs. Now, I reckon it's important for us as a church to cover stuff like this. Good for us as a church to reflect on sad songs like that. The reality is we live in a fallen world, a world under the judgment of God. The reality is we live in a world of injustice and pain and conflict. Not just out there, we also experience it in our own lives. Even as Christian people, we don't, we don't all show up to church each week feeling happy. In fact, I reckon we'd have to be pretty superficial people to always be feeling happy. And so it's right and good that we should cover things in God's word that deal with a wide range of emotions. And if you're a visitor here today, can I say, you don't need to be happy to join us at church. You won't need to pretend that everything is okay to come and join with us. Everything's not okay with us. As we've seen this year, we need to turn to God not only in happy times but also in our pain and in our grief and mourning and disappointment as well. But in our studies in Lamentations and also in Jeremiah that we studied this year as a church as well, Even through all the difficult, dark times for God's people, there was always hope. God promised. God promised that even though terrible things would happen to the Jewish people through the Babylonian Empire, he would bring them back to the land. Do you remember those of us who were here to do Lamentations? Do you remember especially in that middle song where the writer said, Men are not cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. Or do you remember some of the wonderful stuff in Jeremiah about God's plans not to harm his people but to prosper them back in the land again? God made some pretty amazing promises to the Jews. I mean, they'd been defeated by the mightiest army, the most powerful empire in the history of the world, and yet God promised that that empire would fall and he would restore the exiles. And as we've heard over and over again this year, God kept his promises. The Babylonian Empire was defeated by the Persian Empire. And in an historically unprecedented event, the Jewish people who had miraculously maintained their racial and religious integrity in exile, they were restored to the promised land. Well, in Lamentations and and in Jeremiah, we've been seeing the response of God's people to his judgment. Even songs of mourning and of pain. We've dealt with lots of sad songs. That's real. It's good for us. But as we come to the end of the year into our carols service, I thought it would be good for us to look at Psalm 147 uh, for two reasons. First, because this song kind of, it comes after Lamentations in Jeremiah and it's, it's God's people's response to how God did keep his promises, how he did bring them back to the land, how he did destroy the, the, the Babylonian um, empire. It follows on from Lamentations, from, 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 uh, from the hope that is there. This is Israel's response to God keeping his promises. So after this year of Jeremiah and Lamentations, I thought it would be good to look finally at a happy song together. But second, as we look at this psalm, I think we'll get a bit of a clue as to why Christians are singers. A bit of a clue for you, particularly if you're a visitor, about why we would invite you to join us for singing. Let's have a look at the psalm together. There are four sections. Each section gives commands and a reason. Commands and a reason. So the psalmist begins by commanding God's people. He commands them to praise him. 
Now you, might, you might even know the Hebrew word that he uses here. It's the word hallelujah. The psalmist says, it's good to sing praises to God. It's right and appropriate to sing praises to God. And why? Well, because of the great miracle that God has done. God has returned to the exiles. He's restored the city of Jerusalem. Psalm 147 and verse 1. Have a look with me. Psalm 147 and verse 1. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. Can you see what it's talking about? He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds. Lamentations wasn't the end of the story. The psalmist continues, God is so great. The the, the God who made the planets and the galaxies and the stars, the God who sustains the whole universe, the God who's unlimited in power and wisdom, this same God has looked with mercy on the Jewish people. He's defeated Babylon, their enemy. He's sustained his people. Verse 4, he, that is God, determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord, mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble. Casts the wicked to the ground. Babylon is finished. God's people miraculously restored. That's the first section. God deserves to be praised because he's defeated Jerusalem's enemies and restored them. The psalmist has a second command for God's people. He calls on them to sing thank you to God, to play it with music. This glorious God, the God who sustains all of creation, has been gracious to the Jews. And he talks about how they didn't have a big army. They weren't the mighty empire of the world. They didn't have lots of horses. They had, in fact, no strength of their own. They couldn't save themselves. They'd been almost entirely wiped out. But in their helplessness, the Jews put their hope in God. They put their hope in his unfailing love. They trusted him. And God doesn't need strength or armies. God was able to come through for them. And so the psalmist says they ought to sing thanks. Verse 7. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the skies with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of a horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. He doesn't care about armies. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. That's the second section. God deserves to be thanked because he graciously helped his people when they couldn't help themselves. The psalmist has a third command for God's people. He calls on them to extol the Lord. Extol is not really a word we use very much anymore. To extol something is to, is to kind of rave on and on and on about it like some you know, wine bore or something like that who goes on and on about some happy, some fine wine or something like that. The psalmist says God's people should, should go on and on and on in their praise to God. Why? Because Jerusalem is rebuilt. The city that was destroyed in war is once again at peace. The people who were starving, as we saw so vividly in Lamentations, didn't we? The people who were starving, they now have plenty to eat. Verse 12. Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest of wheat. That was the third section. God deserves to be extolled because he's brought peace to his people in the promised land. 
And the psalmist continues with the final section, this time the other way around. First he gives the reason, then the command. He says, God, God's word is so powerful. God controls the world with his powerful word. He controls the weather with his powerful word. And this same God has uniquely revealed his powerful word to his people, to the Jewish people. In the law of Moses, Israel have the very word of God. God's revealed himself to them. He's entered into relationship with them by his word. And so the psalmist gives his fourth and final command. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 15. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the waters flow. God's incredibly powerful word, which runs the whole world. Look at, look at it here, verse 19. He's revealed his word to Jacob. His laws and decrees to Israel. He's done this for no other nation. They do not have his laws. Praise the Lord. That's the final section. God deserves to be praised because he's revealed himself to his people through his powerful word. Okay, can you see what's here then in the psalm? Four sections, each with a command and a reason. Praise the Lord because he defeated Jerusalem's enemies and restored them. Sing thanks to the Lord because he graciously helped his people when they couldn't help themselves. Extol the Lord because he brought peace to his people in the promised land. Finally, praise the Lord because he's revealed himself to his people through his word. Do you see how it fits into the history of Israel? And the psalmist is reflecting on what God's done, how he, how he did what he promised in Jeremiah and Lamentations. He's, he's defeated Babylon. He's restored the Jews from exile. And he says, this is fantastic. We've got to praise God. We've got to sing thanks to him. That's the right and good thing to do. God has been so gracious to us. We should sing. It is a welcome change from Lamentations, isn't it? As much as I like sad songs, this is good. And as I said before this psalm, it gives us a clue as to why Christians sing. The psalmist called on God's people to sing praise to God because of all the good things he'd done for them. And we Christians, we believe that God has also done good things for us. Now, I'm not saying we've got everything together. I'm not saying our lives are perfect and everything in our lives are good. We still suffer. We still struggle. But yet in all of that, we have, we have a deep hope because God has done good things for us. Similar things, but even better things than what he did for Israel in the psalm. Let's just think quickly about those four sections in the psalm. The psalmist called on Israel to praise the Lord because he defeated Jerusalem's enemies and restored them. When Jesus came into the world that first Christmas, we believe he came to save us from our enemies, not from Babylon, but from sin and death and the devil. We're going to sing in a moment in the carol, Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. We'll sing, in his name all oppression shall cease. Through Jesus God has rescued us from our enemies, restored us to right relationship with him. Now the psalmist called Israel to sing thanks to God because he graciously helped his people when they couldn't help themselves. When Jesus came into the world that first Christmas, he came to help us when we couldn't help ourselves. He came to forgive us for our sin, to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. As the carol says, long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared. Through Jesus, we believe God has helped us when we couldn't help ourselves. 
The psalmist called Israel to extol the Lord because he brought peace to his people in the promised land. When Jesus came into the world that first Christmas, he came to give us peace and security in the promised land, not the land of Israel, no, no, in a new heaven, a new earth, where there'll be no more sin or suffering, where we'll be with God forever. Like the carol says, he has opened heaven's door and we are blessed forevermore. Through Jesus, God gives us eternal peace and security in the promised land in heaven. And finally, the psalmist called Israel to praise the Lord because he's revealed himself to his people through his word. When Jesus came into the world that first Christmas, he came to us as the very word of God. God from God, light from light, revealing God to us, bringing, into relationship, bringing us into relationship with God, bringing, as the carol says, tidings of comfort and joy. Through Jesus, God has revealed himself to us and entered relationship with us by his word. Friends, we Christians believe that God has been very kind to us, graciously saved us from our enemies, helped us when we couldn't help ourselves, brought us eternal security in a new heaven and earth, revealed God to us, entered relationship with us. In all the pain and difficulty of this life, we, we have a deep and an abiding and eternal hope. So what do we do? How do we respond? Well, the psalm gives us a clue, doesn't it? There are lots of ways to respond, but like the psalmist, we think the good thing to do, the right thing to do, the pleasant thing to do is to sing praise to God, to sing to him with thanksgiving, to extol him with music and song. I suppose we could just say it. We could all stand here together, stand up together, and we could say... Thanks, God, for sending Jesus. Thanks for rescuing us. Thanks for securing an eternal place for us with you. And all together we could say, appreciate it, God. Cheers. <laughs> we could say it. But, but somehow saying it just doesn't seem enough. Our, our hearts are so bursting with thanks, we feel like we have to sing it. And friend, we would love you to join us. That's why we invited you, not just for a sing-along. We would love for you to join with us in having reason to sing praise to God. We would love for you to join with us in accepting the forgiveness and grace that Jesus offers. We'd love for you to join with us in relying on Jesus to restore you to God, to give you a place in heaven. We'd love for you to sing with us, not just because it's traditional words or it's, it's this time of year. This Christmas, we would like for you to know the joy of having Jesus as your saviour and king of having Jesus as your eternal hope so, 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 that you can, so that you can sing praise with us. That's why we invited you. That's our great prayer for you, that you would know God's love so that you want to join us in joyfully singing his praise. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we do thank and praise you that in all the pain and frustration and difficulty of this life, because of Jesus, we have reason to sing with joy and praise to you. So we pray now that as we spend time singing and uh, reflecting this Christmas, that you'll help us to do so from our hearts with joy in Jesus our Saviour. We pray in his name. Amen.